and see y'all their muscles and stuff a little bit better. It's, it really does solidify it. I mean, without being crazy, what could you do? Anyway, so you guys have an ID quiz. Uh, is that what you Today, just tricking. And uh, when's your bone first? Wednesday, Thursday. Okay, so I have So your ID quiz is super easy. I'm sure your TAs have told you uh, it, it's just like a mini practical, really. They just stand there at your table, your table, and you think on your cadaver. And they point to things, five things, and you write it down on the table. Right? Everything's fair game through whatever pages you should be through. And if you're checking the dailies, daily, you know what is uh, expected of you when you go into lab each day. Those are always posted uh, Wednesday, from, me, the day before, Wednesday and Tuesday, uh, Thursday or Monday and Tuesday. All right. I think where we left off was we were real quickly going over uh, Supplier 
obviously to all of the axilla region, your chest area, part of the back, the scapula region, and your entire arm, forearm, and hand. Okay? So we're going to talk about this hoss thing right here. It is a really tiny region. There's not much room up there. Hopefully you guys are using the arm boards. Yes? If you haven't, you should be, right? And hopefully we haven't broken anybody's arm. Sometimes on those little ladies where they have osteoporosis, we do that and it's just like crack. A little disconcerting. So we got a lot going on here, but a lot of it, if you just kind of remember a few kind of key concepts, this should be easy peasy for you, yes? So the axillary artery itself is a continuation of our subclavian. It is literally just a name change. And if that doesn't make any sense to you, when you're driving up Classen, Classen changes names to Porter at around uh, Alameda, yes? It is the same street. You're driving, you're driving, you're like, what? Come on, Porter. How'd that happen? Right? Same idea. You're in the subclavian. You get past the clavicle. So once this passes the clavicle, now it's called the axillary. Okay? Below the teres major or teres minor, I actually have a better landmark for that, but a lot of books will tell you this. So once you kind of get past where that teres major is a little bit, then it's called the brachial. But really a better kind of order would be once the posterior anterior humeral circumflex branch off the axillary. After that, it's a name change to brachial. Does that make sense? Okay. Sure. So you guys have seen those branches that we're going to talk about, but have you seen the posterior anterior humeral circumflex and lambs, the artery branches? Some of you have, some of you haven't, right? Once those branch off the axillary, now that vessel is simply called brachial. There's your heart. Or like this, Valentine's Day coming up. <laughs> so, aorta, blobby blue, who cares? Here's your subclavian. And then once you pass that clavicle, now it's their axillary. With me? Once our anterior and posterior circumflex <coughs> branch off, now it's our brachial. Literally the same vessel, it just changes names in different regions. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So, this axillary artery, what we're going to do is we're going to look at all of the things that branch off the axillary artery. And you can um, follow the stuff up here. you got a million pictures of this, right? So the very first thing that branches off is going to be our thoracochromial trunk. And you can see it with the dark arrow there. See that little crash one right there? That is our thoracochromial trunk. You can also call it thoracochromial artery. It is an artery. It's simply named trunk because it's like the trunk of a tree, where it comes off the axillary and then it has a bunch of branches that come off it. It's like a tree, right? So the thoracochromial trunk is going to send branches to the pectoral region. That's the thoraco part of it. And back towards the scapula. That's the acromion part of it. Remember the acromion on the scapula? So it sends branches kind of back to the shoulder as well as to your pectoral region. We've got multiple branches coming off. It is the first branch off the axillary you guys need to know. The very first one past the clavicle that you're going to see. You can't miss it. 
is we work our way distally or laterally, however you wish to look at it. We're going to work our way down. There is another one that comes off. Here it is, right here. And it is called the lateral thoracic. And it is 100% in the name where that one goes. Here it is right here. Peeking at, what's this muscle right here? Anybody help me out? Heck minor, thank you. And you can see it peeking out. There it is. And it goes down and it supplies what region? The lateral thorax. I mean, you can literally see it going there. That's hence the lateral thoracic. Our next one that comes off, comes off distal to the lateral thoracic. We're going in order, thoracocranial trunk, lateral thoracic, and then subscapular. And subscapular is only about an inch long, if you will, because it's immediately, here it is right here, that little top part of your subscapular, you know it immediately branches into our thoracodorsal. And sorry if you're over here, it's cut off the bottom. I wonder if that'll come. Let's see if I just lower this a little more. <coughs> what? <laughs> a whole new world. <laughs> Seriously, why would somebody have all this down already? Somebody else's fault, not mine, surely. Thoracodorsal and circumflex scapular. Circumflex scapular, where do you think that goes towards? The scapula, and it has circumflex in the name. It means it's going to go around and back to the scapula. That was one of the general terms we learned the other day. And then thoracodorsal. See it right there? That's thoracodorsal. Do we have something else that you learned in the last unit that going to have thoracodorsal? It's a nerve, and what does it innervate? It's just the Thoracodorsal artery runs right next to it and supplies that. So if you find the thoracodorsal nerve, you find the thoracodorsal artery. They run right with each other. We're going to talk about thoracodorsal nerves today. But there's your artery. Now, we got two more coming off here. Our anterior and our posterior femoral circumflex. Here they are right here. See, they're the last ones to come off the axillary in this region. And notice that one goes in front of the humerus and one goes behind the humerus. That would be the posterior. And what do you think they do when they meet? They anastomose. Once those branch off the axillary, now this vessel right here is going to be called what? The brachial, because now we're in the brachial region. How many of you have found all of these in lab? How many have found any of them? Good. So the difficult ones are the tweeners. Actually, there's only one that's highly variable. The rest are usually pretty standard. Your thoracocromial trunk. The farthest one back, you can usually see it. It comes out, and it's usually stuff because you guys have cut the branches. It just looks like a little thing of broccoli that's just, right? The uh, anterior and posterior humeral circumflex. Once you find those two, all the rest are going to be in between them. Those are like the, bo the bookends. The most highly variable one is going to be your lateral threat. Sometimes that comes off where it's good, sometimes it doesn't. Okay? But now that you know what they are and what they're supposed to be doing, you should easily be able to find them today. Notice what I did when I drew out the words in Aries Plus Plus. I actually drew them out kind of in the position they would come off of the axillary. These come off and go this direction, and these come off and go the other direction. So that will help me when I'm studying. Does that make sense? Okay. 
Do it how you want, but that makes sense to me. Here you go. Here's the hatefulness. You guys ready for this? Yay. We love hateful. So this hateful region right here, and look at this picture. We talked about the other day, people that get shot in the shoulder. Seriously, what's the odds that they're not going to nuke the artery or the vein or any of these nerves? It's just stupid. <coughs> so here's our picture. It's something down that drives you nuts. That remember, what we're talking about with all of these branches are all branches off of our ventral rami. Dorsal rami are not invited to this game. They're done. They go to winter, the deep back muscles, nothing. These are all branches from our ventral rami. This bug is upside down, so I put it right side up. But then the elbow, everything's back. <laughs> so anyway, there's our ventral rami. That's more how we look at it. I'm sure I can figure out a better way to do that, but it is what it is. I remember when I was learning this. So here's what we're looking at here. There's our brachial plexus. And it, I learned all of this, and I didn't realize later, brachial plexus, what that actually meant. I'm just like, oh, it is a plexus of nerves, that intertwined plexus of nerves that supply the brachium and everything past the brachium, brachial plexus. Okay? So this is the hatefulness. You guys are not going to see this. You're only going to see this out here. Okay? But this is what's supplying all of your arm, your forearm, and your hand. You injure the brachial plexus or the roots of the brachial plexus, you basically will have paralysis of your entire arm, forearm, and hand, okay? So if you look in your anatomy and physiology reveal, here is the region that we're talking about up here. Again, there is not much to it. There's your pec minor. You're not gonna see this stuff until the end of the semester. So you're gonna be right in this business right there. It's about what you're gonna be working for, okay? So if you look at the brachial plexus, and we go from, this is the right, the medial or the neck, right, that's our medial, out, we have roots, trunks, divisions, cords, branches. That's how we subdivide this brachial plexus and its branches. Most medial roots, trunks, divisions, cords, branches. Remember to drink cold beer. Or something that's a non-alcoholic beverage or teetotaler out there. So the roots, we're going to kind of start by talking about the most medial. The roots, good health to you, are basically, and this don't get confused when I say roots as far as what we just learned in the last unit, dorsal ventral roots. The roots meaning like the roots of a tree, right? Okay? So this is where the brachial plexus starts. And it starts at the ventral rami. Spinal nerve C5 T1. So C5, C6, C7, C8, T1. That's where the brachial plexus starts, the ventral rami of those spinal nerves. Okay? You guys remember that cervical enlargement, why it's a little the spinal cord is a little thicker here. There's a lot more innervation going in and out. If we work our way out with trunks, we have upper, middle, and lower trunks. I'm just putting up trunks and divisions so that you guys have this information. I'm not going to answer you details about them. You're going to need to learn that later when you get into your respective programs. So the anterior division is going to supply flexors, posterior extensors. We already know this because we've talked about all of your anterior side being more flexors and posterior side being more extensors. 
So it's kind of easier to remember that if you need to. So here's our divisions up here. But again, I'm not going to ask you super details about those. Just know that they're there. Know that we have trunks. Know that we have divisions. Because it is after that. It is from the divisions out that you are going to see in land. You do not see all of this, and you won't see it until the end of the semester when we get to head next. It is from the chords out that you are studying in lab. So our chords are simply named based on their relationship to what artery? Axillary. So if they're lateral to it, they're lateral cord. If they're medial to it, they're medial. If they're behind it, they're posterior. It is that simple. Okay? Three main chords, and then your branches are what we're going to talk about. Does all that make sense? Have you guys seen this in lab? And if you haven't, this should be great for when you go in today. This is your last day on the anterior side until rotation day. So read your dailies, know exactly what we want you to get done, and be ready to go in and just kill it today, okay? I feel like I'm priming you for working out. Be ready to kill it today, you guys. Come on, you can do it, right? Okay? For real. So here's what it's going to look like, this beautifully dissected. <laughs> nothing cut, nothing ruined, magic. There's our axillary artery, okay? So if we look here, there's our lateral cord, there's our medial cord, where are we gonna look for our posterior? Behind it, so there's our posterior cord, we have to cut away the axillary artery. There's the posterior cord. Be careful, this is actually probably a little low. Posterior cord is actually probably farther back, it's just easier. Let's talk about these branches and these cords. What we're going to do, and if you didn't print out the notes, you're not going to be able to write all this down. Okay, so I printed out a table for you in your notes, and you just have to fill it in, but for the rest of you, try and get down what you can. So, a couple of things, sorry, a couple of things that don't necessarily come off the cords, but are still part of the brachial plexus, are these nerves right here, long thoracic. And that comes off way back here. So here's, remember, here's our C5, C6, 7, 8, C1. Here's a branch from C5, one from C6, one from C7, and you see those all form our long thoracic nerve. And you guys remember that from the last unit because that's what innervated our serratus anterior. Do you remember the lateral thoracic artery we just talked about? Say yes, lie to me. Very good. Our long thoracic nerve and our lateral thoracic artery run right next to each other. You, you find one, you find the other. So in lab, if you find lateral thoracic artery and you find long thoracic nerve, or one or the other, you should be able to find the other one, okay? Dorsal scapular is one you're not going to see. It's way up here. It comes off of C4, C5. The teeny tiny one up there, we know from last unit that did our rhomboids and levator scapula you're not going to see it, you will see the long thoracic nerve in lab. You won't see where it comes from, but you'll see the bottom half of it. So, let's talk about things that come off your lateral cord. That's the one that's lateral to your axillary artery. We're going to start with some small ones, lateral pectoral. <coughs> and we already talked about this muscle, it innervates our pectoralis major. Here it is, it's tiny. This has some weird connection between the two, but it comes off your lateral cord. Lateral pectoral comes off the lateral cord. Lateral, lateral. Easy cheese. The big main branch of this sucker, though, is our musculocutaneous. And where are all of those situated? Where are all these muscles? Anterior arm. 
and go based on the name. Say what? Skin of the where? Skin of the arm. And what about that bottom one? What's Annie Breaker referred to? Skin of the forearm. For the arm. Forearm. Okay? So these are superficial. They are basically going to the skin of the arm and the forearm. Those both come off our median cord. Brachial cutaneous comes off first. Medial cord, right? I say medial. I did not. Liars. You heard me wrong. I'm sure of it. I haven't had enough coffee today, you guys. I'm just telling you that right now. Okay. Posterior cord, last but not least, this is the one behind. This is the one where a lot of stuff comes off of. Our upper and lower subscapular come off. If you guys remember from our last unit, now you guys are seeing where the nerves that come from that you learned the second order for in the last unit. That goes to our subscapularis. And those come off of our posterior cord, and they actually bookend this nerve, thoracodorsal. So your thoracodorsal comes off posterior cord, and on either side of it, you have your upper and lower subscapular. So if you find any one of those three, you can find the other two. And remember, your thoracodorsal nerve runs right next to what? Thoracodorsal artery. You find one, you find the other. You guys are magical. Here's the big one. You guys remember this from last unit. Axillary. And here it is. It comes off. Once the axillary artery comes off, hello, axillary nerve. Once the axillary nerve comes off the posterior cord, then the rest of that is now your radial nerve. So you can see it here. Once the axillary branches off the posterior cord, the rest of that is now going to be radial nerve. And friends, in what region or compartment would you look for your triceps brachii? I know you haven't done this yet, but everyone knows where their triceps is. Where is it? Posterior arm, yes? So put your radial nerve down for posterior arm on your irrigation man. Where are you going to look for the extensors of your forearm, anterior side or posterior side? Posterior side. So put radial down for posterior forearm. And that is the fun part of the innervation man. You can see that that one radial nerve is the entirety of your posterior arm and forearm. So if I ask the innervation, where is it? Posterior forearm, done, radial. Tell me that's easier than doing each muscle individually. Now remember, this is only for skeletal muscles. Okay, and this doesn't say anything about sensory innervation. This is just our second order muscle innervation, okay? So just really quickly as a quick review, what is that sitting on top of? Lateral cord, what about that? Medial cord, what about that? Posterior cord, okay? Off our lateral cord, it's gonna be this main nerve, what is it? Musculocutaneous, and then we're gonna have a little branch there, and off of our medial cord, we have the other branch, what's that gonna be? Median, and then this one right here, ulnar. And then you have all of the smaller branches off the back. Does this look like any letter to you? It's an M. So look for the M in lab. And the M might be a little funky on some bodies, right? But the axillary arteries 
actually going to dive underneath that M. But once you find the M, you can work back to the chords. You can find all of your branches. Trust me, if you don't see it when you go in there, ask someone or ask a TA. I have them show it to you. Once you see it one time, you're going to be like, oh, okay. You can see that on body. I promise you, I'm not, I'm not making this up. There's the M, okay? Fabulous. A couple of uh, clinical things before we go on to muscles. Here's that wing scapula I told you about. Clinically, if you, you know, like at your at the bar and you get a knife bite, no, don't stab me. Ah. And then you get stabbed on your thoracic region. Very easy to damage that long thoracic nerve. Remember, one of the functions of the thoracic anterior is to hold your scapula against the thorax. Well, now you paralyze that muscle. So the scapula kind of falls and gives you this pressure of wing. So wouldn't want that little angel wing. Great party trick. Here's your brachial plexus. You know, if forever you're falling like this. <laughs> what, or delivery of a baby, which happens, where they basically, you're coming out and the doctor yanks a little too much on your head and neck, and basically you get avulsion, pulling away of the nerves, right? And it, it does happen, right? Then what you get is this classic, what's referred to as the waiter's tip position. I'm not sure why, because you give me a tip. I've never had a waiter do that, but that's how it's referred. And this is basically called herb palsy or herb palsy. It's paralysis of C5, C6. The roots, C5, C6, those roots get essentially pulled away. You can just kind of jot this down anywhere, and I think there's something in here. Suggested reading. You don't have to write down all the outward signs. Basically, you get rotation, medial rotation of the forearm and hyperflexion at the wrist, like you're bagging for. And you can see it in these little babies. You can see a little bit there. You can see a little bit there. I just wanted you to know the dogs can also have brachial plexus injuries. <laughs> I love how you guys are like, oh, but the baby, you're like, whatever. <laughs> oh, that poor dog. So it does happen, and you know, a lot of times they don't allow you to videotape delivery of babies. A lot of hospitals will not allow that anymore because of malpractice, right? Because of things like, and I watched a special one time where somebody was doing the doctor in the hospital, and they had a video of it, of the baby being born, and the doctor just kind of, you know, sometimes the babies, they're hard to get out, right? They're like big. You left, you left them to cook maybe a little too long. I don't know, right? So they come out, you know. One of the, later on, you might meet my sister who's a nurse, but she delivered a 12 pound, six ounce. Her son was 12 pound, six ounce. Right next to the bowling ball, my friend. The bowling ball. <laughs> so, anyway, sometimes they, they're a little hard to come out. And in this one, the baby comes out, and you can see the arm. It's just, oh, the, you know, babies are like, oh, screaming, right? And the one arm is just dangling because of the devolution of C5C6 and her palsy, right? This other one, you can basically injure the lower part of the brachial plexus, apparently from all the tree climbing you guys are doing, <laughs> right? And when you do that, or pulling the baby out by the arm, right? <laughs> which is not normal at all. So pulling the baby out, what you get is you get, you damage C8, C7, C8, C1, and in doing so, you damage a lot of the muscles that are responsible for kind of the fine movement of your fingers, and you get this type of claw hand, okay? And so that's from that, not quite as common as herb palsy, okay? So this is actually a really good kind of basic picture, and I can put that, did I give you guys this? Yes. Okay, good. It's a good 
guys need to know. It's a good one to study off of, okay? Any questions about that? If not, we will move on. I want you to keep your eye on the prize. Here's another quote from a former student. Rise.
flex at the shoulder. It is a weak shoulder flexor. So when you do this, you are actually including some anterior arm muscle. It's not all pec major that does that, my friends. It is a weak shoulder flexor. It also aids in supination, we will talk about momentarily. Now there's our coracobrachialis. It is 100% in the name where there's those two in front. Talk to me, split that in hand. The coracoid process to the brachium, literally the middle of the brachium. Coracobrachialis, it's on the anterior side. Does it cross the elbow? So does it do any function at the elbow? No, what's the function? Anterior side crosses the shoulder. Flexes the arm. <laughs> See how that works, my friends? What joint is across? Which side of the extremity is it on? Okay, I can figure it out from there. Now, you can see quite nicely there's our cortical brachialis in there, and there is our biceps, brachii, long head, and short head. Now, if we peel away our biceps, brachii deep to that, we have our brachialis. And you'll notice that the brachialis kind of starts where the coracobrachialis stops, middle shaft of the humerus. One stops and the other one starts, essentially in the same place. Does your brachialis cross the shoulder? No, so it has no function of the shoulder across the, the elbow. This is your powerful elbow flexor. I know we all want to work on that biceps brachii because that's what shows up because that one's on top and that looks cool. But this is actually a super powerful elbow flexor, or flexor of your forearm. That's it. Innervation of all three of those, my friends? Must be obtained. Just so we don't forget the ladies, yes, they can be in here too. You can now see the two heads of his, of his bicep, right? That right there is probably his work with great Let's see the little freshman right there? And then you can see the heads of her bicep as well. Okay? Now, take a look at this hateful thing. I'm putting this up. What I'm actually going to do, I know you guys have done posterior forearm and lamb because uh, funeral home was selfish when they had funerals and stuff and they embalmed them this way instead of in an anatomical position. Selfish, right? So it makes studying forearm a little more hateful. So what I'm actually going to do in this is I'm going to give you guys anterior forearm muscles, even though I know you won't get to them until Wednesday, Thursday. Okay? But they're actually easier than the posterior side. Okay? But I want to put something up so you guys can see a few things here. These are anterior or posterior forearm muscles. Posterior. If you just came off the street and I only told you that big picture thing, that flexors on anterior side, extensors on posterior side, you'd be able to figure that out. Most of those have in the name extensor, except for these. And I think you know what that one does. Right? So for most of these, it is 100% in the name what it does, what it does that to, and where it's at. It's all in the name. Okay? So when you guys are there memorizing and you're freaking out, don't lose sight of the fact that you can, for many of these, simply look at the name. And it's going to tell you where it goes to and from. Which side is this going to be on? Anterior, posterior. You notice there's a lot less on the anterior side. And you'll notice that flexor is in the name of most of those. Hey, what do you think these do? <coughs> so don't 
get overwhelmed when you see all of those names. Just sit down and look at it, and you'll be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So if you compare the two sides, sometimes that's a good way to learn stuff. Compare anterior versus posterior, and then just kind of see if you can make any generalities that will help you remember these things. So both of them have a flexor or extensor parpi radialis. One side just has two of them. Both of them have a parpi ulnaris. Both sides have digitorums. They're just named differently on both sides. Both of them have muscles that go to the thumb, except there's just more on the extensor side. And then both of them have these extras. So you can see that there's a heck of a lot less on the anterior side, okay? But this was something that I did when I was learning them and it kind of helped me, okay, this side has this, but this side doesn't type thing, right? It was less overwhelming. Do what you need to do, but that's what worked for me. So you don't have to write this down. I'm just giving you some generalities when you're on the exam and you're losing your mind, right? I should just like have like a kegerator up here or a box of wine, so you guys can come up, take a hit, take it back to your, calm yourself down. Would that work? In my mind? Maybe some coffee and water too, for those people that don't, you know. It might work, people, I'm not lying. So if you notice, if you, I would actually, that would be awesome. Let's just have class at the pub. It'd be awesome, we get so much done. So if you sit there and you move and your hands and all this stuff, we've talked about this. If you look at your forearms, where is the thickness of your forearm? Is it at the wrist or at the elbow? The thickness is at the elbow, right? Same in your legs, unless you have ankles, but we'll get to that later, right? The main thickness is at the elbow. So the meat of the muscle of these is at the elbow, and then it sends these long tendons down. So when you get into the wrist, a lot of times you're just seeing the tendons of those muscles, okay? They're gonna go to, the hands or the hand bones or the foot or whatever, or the digits, that's going to be in the name. Extrinsic versus, in, uh, uh, excuse me, extensor versus flexor uh, side, extrinsic ones or intrinsic ones, okay? So examples, extensor pollicis longus, is that a long or a short muscle? A very brevis. Functionally, what's it going to do? It's 100% the name. It's going to extend the thumb. Okay, flexor carpi ulnaris, what's that going to do? Be careful. It's going to flex the hand of the carpal bones. On which side? The ulnar side or the radial side? Ulnar side. Okay, it's 100% in the name. So, they're named for where they go and what they do. Okay, so we are going to start with anterior compartment of the forearm. You guys look at the posterior lab, but since we're working on anterior side muscles, we're going to do anterior part. Anything wrong with this picture? This was from a previous version of your textbook. This is that whole attention to detail thing. <coughs> different nerves. 
So, our flexor compartment of the forearms and generalities. Most of those muscles arise off of the medial epicondyle, and you guys should know what that is from your bone quiz studying. Is that ringing a bell? Medial epicondyle of your humerus. Most of them are gonna insert or attach. Their distal attachment is gonna be on the carpal bone, so in the wrist, the metacarpal bone, or the phalanges. So hand bones or finger bones. And most of them are innervated by what nerve? We already know this. Oh! <laughs> Anterior side, medium. Okay? I'm real fun at parties. <laughs> okay, so those are some generalities. So let's talk about these bad boys. Want a math? Okay. What we're going to do is we're going to start with the most superficial. And we're going to start with one that's actually a tweener muscle. And anytime you drink a beverage, you are using this muscle. You break your radialis. There it is. It's right there, and it's a weird one. It is a tweener, and I say it's a tweener because it literally sits on the radial side, that thumb side or pinky side, thumb side, right up, right? So it's funky because this is one of those weird exceptions. It's innervated like a posterior forearm muscle, but it functions like an anterior forearm muscle. So it actually acts to flex the forearm, but here's the fabulousness in the mid position. So you're not fully permeated and you're not fully stupidated. So in the mid position, which is every time you're holding a drink. Right? Anytime you use a hammer. Anytime you are in mid position, you flex. Break your radialis. So when you guys go to the gym, have you heard of hammer curls? Right? Most of you, when you do your biceps, you might have them like this. But if you do hammer curls, you fold the dumbbells like this. Not fully like this or this. And you are working your brachioradialis. Okay? If you're wondering what hammer curls work, it is your brachioradialis. Okay? Now, if we work from our medial epicondyle, we're going to work from... Here's our medial epicondyle. We're going to work from our radial... So it's coming medially over to the radial side. And our first muscle is our flexor carpi radialis. Most of the function is in the name. What's it going to do? Don't flex it, it's gonna flex. Flex flex. Flex the hand, you're fabulous. So this flexes the hand, it inserts on the carpal bones on the radial side. But what else might it do if it's on the side? Is it just going to flex or might it do something else at that wrist joint? What else can you do besides flex and extend at the wrist? Abduct and adduct. So if it's radial side and it pulls, what do you think it's going to do? Abduct or adduct? Abduct. So it can act an abduction of your wrist. Whenever are you going to abduct your wrist? Only a billion times. Every time you wave. I don't know who waves like this, but you know. Right? Innervation of this muscle, tell me now. Median. We're going to stop right there. We'll finish up with anterior on Wednesday and get into posterior. <laughs>